Get ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are. The Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information-packed Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now. Hello, Power Partners, and welcome to our Sandbox. It is radio's finest program of talk radio, star style, be the star you are. And I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are delighted to be your personal growth success coaches. We are here on the airwaves with you every week, bringing you the authors, the experts, and some health advice to help you enjoy a more fulfilled life. So get ready to pump that energy because we are a show about following your heart living your dreams, and exploring all the possibilities. Today's show features the big talk that every parent and child dreads with our health professional, Heather Brittany. Yes, we are talking the sex talk. And then following that, Charlotte Maluka will join us with her remarkable book, and it's a perfect follow-up, Peace in the Heart and Home. It's a down-to-earth guide to creating a better life for you and your loved ones. And then segment three, we're going to look into the optimism bias and how hope isn't really rational and why humans are wired for success and for optimism. So a kind of an exciting show. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you to be the best that you can be. Call 925-377-7827 or visit the web starstyle.us. Now, success is good at any age, but the sooner you find it, the longer you will enjoy it. And that is from Napoleon Hill. And before we get into our uh, segment, Heather, I just wanted to give a quick announcement and update about Operation Disaster Relief, which we've been working uh, with uh, uh, Joplin, Missouri, as you know, trying to get books there. A great article was in the La Mirinda Weekly yesterday, written by Kyla Christie, we have already shipped $45,000 worth of books in just a month and a half, thanks to many of the people who are on this show. And then today, the Independent Book Publishers Association published a little blurb about what Be The Star You Are is doing to help Joplin. And already I've got emails from publishers oh, asking how they can help. Isn't that great? I know. So I'm hoping to get the Be The Star You Are newsletter out by tomorrow, Star Searchers Express. So be watching for it, and uh, I think that we're going to have more people. I got an email also from Brooke Olbreeze, who was on our show, Is was it last week, I guess it was, um, and he now, he's donated another uh, set of 50 cards for to the school. So everyone is like really into this, and I'm really excited about it. So if you'd like to make a donation to Operation Disaster Relief to help the schools or the clinics in Joplin, Missouri, just go to the initials for the charity. It's very easy. www.btsya.com. 
and we really, really would like some financial um, donations. We really appreciate all the books, but we do have to ship them, and so we need some dollars. So please make a donation, btsya.com. Uh, Okay, so the sex talk, Heather, every parent dreads it. Every teen needs it. And mm-hmm. I know you have some suggestions on how you can speak openly even when your kids are resistant. So where do we begin? When's the best time to start? Do we just make it comfortable from birth, or do we just hand them a book when they're ready to go off to college? <laughs> <laughs> All of the above. Well, um, what really brought this to my attention is, I've been working with my organization for almost three year now, three years now, about two and a half years, and I recently became the young teen health specialist. And um, with that being things that I'm seeing young teens talking about sexuality, and a question I always address with them, and making sure you know they're in this environment where everything they're sharing with me is confidential. None of their information is ever shared. Um, but I feel, you know, so fortunate that they are opening so to me. And, and so I always like to say, you know, that I'm so happy they're sharing this with me. And do you feel you can talk with your parents about sexuality? Or, you know, if not your parents, do you feel um, someone outside of your friend group? And it's almost alarming of how many people feel they can't talk with their parents. And it's not, you know, of anything in danger-wise. They just feel embarrassed or they, you know, they, their parents have never brought it up and they don't, they're afraid that, if they ask their parents questions, that their parents will assume they're having sex or assume the worst. And so that's that big thing of it's really hard, you know, for parents um, when it starts to have this conversation. And and so um, recently I started, you know, to kind of figure out how, you know, kind of how to talk with parents about this and, and really kind of relating parents of how in this new way and age is that, your kids are exposed to so much information all the time, whether it be from magazines, TV, the Internet. There's so much, such a plethora of information out there. You should really be your kid's first Google search. And what I mean by that is that Google is something, you have a question, you type it in, you find out the answer, and now you found a reliable source. You keep going back to Google. So parents should really be that Google source um, metaphorically when it comes to sexuality. Your child has a question, they turn to you, you're able to um, supply them with an answer, and now you become a trusted source that they're going to return to. And as well as if you don't have that answer, that opens another thing of um, you can search it out together. And there's actually research shows that positive communication between parents and children can actually help their children um, make uh, healthy decisions when it comes to their sexuality. And the biggest thing is really just initiating that conversation. And the facts are that a lot of parents have a hard time uh, starting this conversation because they didn't grow up in that environment where you can talk about that. It was seen much more taboo than it was today. And so a lot of parents, you know, they may feel that, you know, they weren't able to talk with their parents about it or they feel they don't have the right answer or they're confused or, you know, there's all this new stuff out there. They might not know. Um, what to do, and the biggest thing is, you know, do yourself get on that Google search to become, um, you know, you're really your your kids first thing. As, as I said, I work for an amazing organization that Planned Parent offers uh, so many educational courses, uh, different things, ones that they can come into the schools and talk with kids. They can present to parents, parent groups, uh, other organizations, because uh, a lot of times people feel when it comes to sex education in school 
that they don't want their child, their child to be taught such um, an important topic from a stranger, from someone they don't know. However, um, it hits the back burner. When those parents, a lot of parents will find waivers saying, I don't want my, my child to participate in the sex education in school because I want to be the one responsible for that. And then they, they're not responsible for it. And the biggest thing is education is key. The more you know, um, the healthier decisions you can make. And so um, our organization, as well as many other, offer teaching tools directed at parents with no children involvement so that if parents want to have these conversations, if parents want to be their child's educator, um, they'll have the, the, you know, the proper terminology, the facts, all that stuff. So they really can be that reliable source. So kind of Heather, I just wanted to yeah. go into it because you were just saying about how you can research things together and the media, et cetera. Everything is so explicit on television and movies and in magazines now. It, um, you know, it probably titillates a lot, but obviously there's a lot of misinformation out there. But I've always just felt that if parents can just talk, about, have the sex talk, just like they have any other kind of talk, you know. If you just if you don't put too much around it, then it doesn't become a taboo subject. It's sort of like in the Victorian age, if you showed your ankle, you were being really risque. Well, now you know everybody's showing their thighs. So it's it's exactly. kind of just a no, matter of. You know, uh, a big thing is that the Kaiser Family Foundation actually funded a study to talk with kids about why don't they ask their parents about it. And 83% of teens said they were worried about their parents' reaction. Another 80% said they were embarrassed by it. And another 77 said they didn't know how to bring up the subject. So if thinking that nearly, I mean, we're talking the high numbers here, nearly 100% between, you know, 70 and 80% of teens are scared, embarrassed, don't know how, um, you know, it, it, that's the same thing parents are going through, and don't. And that's one big thing is don't think because your kids aren't asking that they don't care what you say, that they already know anything. They really do want your input. They just don't know how to bring up that subject. And the big thing I'm always about is teachable moments. That teachable moments are the opportunity in everyday life to say something that affirms a value you have or something that's important to you and you want to show it and express it. And it doesn't even have to be about sexuality. It's the slightest things in life is that children, whether you wear, are, uh, not, are aware of it or not, from an early age are, trying, are figuring out who you are, the way you talk about things, your values. And so sometimes that can be if your children always hear you negatively or positively talking about something, they may affirm that that's your value. They may think that, you know, a particular uh, views you have, and so they, they may be afraid to share those with you. And that's always a great opportunity is, is having that open communication, sharing something you feel, and then getting their input. And I actually have, for parents, an acronym to always remember, and it's FIVE, and that's F-I-V-E. So FIVE is feelings. Um, so F is feelings, I, information, V, values, E, encouragement to continue. So whenever you're talking about this, Always take into your, your child's feelings. The information, make sure you have accurate information. Share and express your values and find out their values as well. And encourage them to ask questions. And, and as well, what I like about the five is five can also serve as a, remi- a reminder that in order to get an important topic, especially a topic about sexuality across with your children, it doesn't have to be this long sit down, we're going to have a talk. You can have a really powerful conversation and really share something that's going to stay with your child in less than five minutes. So always you know, kind of encouraging that with parents. And I think the best thing 
is to start at an early age. And I said it's harder for parents to struggle over, you know, I, what if I give my child too much information or not enough? It, the harder, it, it gets harder the older your child gets. Just as think of as a child as when you're a little kid, you just want to run around naked. And all of a sudden, as you start getting older, you realize, oh, my gosh, you know, I don't want these things. As kids that used to, as children, want to share you, share everything with you, the older you get, you're not that, that you're best, their best friend anymore. You're that uncool parent and I don't, you know, that doesn't know anything. So start at an early age. There's always, you know, age appropriate, you know, the, I've said it many times, you start young and that, you know, I have this, you have that, but, you know, you don't touch anyone else, but you're so all, certain those little things, this is where babies came from, giving a real, and again, a teachable moment. If you have a young child, you could say, you know, I see, for example, I see Sally's mom's belly is pregnant. Do you know, do you know what's in there? You know, there's a baby. Do you know how she got that way? All things, I think parents are afraid to give their children too much information. And you know what's appropriate, what is not. Again, as I said, we offer these classes free for parents to, to help them, if, you know, kind of give them an outline of, of what they'd feel comfortable with. And again, if, if someone, there's never, it's never too late to start. If you now have a teenager and you've never sat down with them, most parents, they probably already know a lot of information, but it's good to have those conversations and continuously, even if they feel embarrassed, open that line of communication so that they feel they can bring that stuff up to you. Um, and what about kind of, books or a video or something like that or an audio, you know, CD that has information? How do you approach that? Do you, you know, just bring a book to your child and say that, you know, I think this might be helpful to you? What What do you yeah, recommend? Well, I guess, you know, my kind of big tips um, for parents in order to be a great health educator. The first is I say, you know, take advantage of teachable moments. Two, Listen more than you talk. You know, and you're able to pick up on those cues. You have two ears and one mouth um, and encouraging that communication. So a lot of times uh, you're talking, it seems like they're not listening or they feel weird about it. There's, again, tons of these great educational books that, you know, talking about puberty and development. And even if they seem like, ew, mom, you know, I don't want to read this, offer it to them. Just say, you know, maybe, you know, if you feel weird talking about it, I just think, you know, just, slide it under their door, somehow approach them so that they have good information or ask them, you know, kind of quiz them with their questions of, you know, hey, do you understand this stuff? Find out as well. A way to bring it up is a lot of times, it's, you know, it's starting to be the beginning of the school year. Oftentimes parents are sent sort of, you know, the back to school, the curriculum for the year. This is, you know, we're going to go over dinosaurs and this is the beginning or this is back to school night. Parents get involved. Find out if your school has um, a sex education program, and if it does, that's another line to talk with your kids. Hey, I saw this is going on. What are you? How do you feel about this? Or what's going on? Get involved. View it as another course that you want your child to be well educated on. Exactly. And well, the bottom line is, it's just open the lines of communication, and as you so aptly said, is to listen more and listen for the cues, and just you know, go ahead and talk to your kids because they are picking up some of it. And then when they want to talk, they will come to you. So this is a, these are great tips, Heather, and people can remember the SIVE and, and give those, give those four tips out again. And then we're, we have to wrap it up. So you yeah. give out the website. Well, actually, so just on a, on a closing thing, I just want to say my last, a really important thing is just to take the initiative, which is the hardest part. Cause don't let their silence silence you. It's your role as a parent. Um, to be the initiative conversation. And even though it's difficult, don't 
panic, just realize all the times they may not verbally communicate back. They're listening to everything you're saying and just always open that open door that, you know, that we may have very different, sort of our tea for two, you know, we both may have different tea bags that we come together and, and so always offer that open hand to your child for that communication so that, that you really are your child's first health educator. And so, you are the unconditional love. So the websites, Heather? Most definitely. We want you to check this out again if you're able to help donate. We thank you so much for all the books, but we really do need financial donations now for Joplin. To get those books out there, go to bethestarur.org, bethestarur.com, as well as com, both with a K. And if you want to overcome depression, anxiety, stress, trauma, compulsions, or relationship difficulties, and of course, who amongst us does not, turn up the volume because author of the book, Peace in the Heart and Home, Charlotte McCulka, is coming right up. Don't go away. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Rittenham. And this is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back with Peace in the Heart and Home. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are.org. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be the Star You Are, a 501c3 top rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org. All donations are tax deductible. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Well, thank you so much for staying tuned to World Talk Radio and Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where the world comes to talk and to listen. I am Cynthia Bryan, and I am here to help you find your passion, live your purpose, and explore the possibilities. The book, Peace in the Heart and Home, a down-to-earth guide to creating a better life for you and your loved ones, 
has won National Book Awards in the categories of personal growth and parenting and been endorsed by authorities in the fields of mental health, stress, trauma, mind-body medicine, couple and family therapy, neuroscience, and spirituality. And it is no wonder because the author, Charlotte Mikulka, is not only a lover of life and a lifelong learner, She's a mom, a wife of 40 years, and a psychotherapist who really walks her talk. Welcome, Charlotte, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I was really impressed when you wrote to me that you and your husband have been married 40 years. You have two adult sons, so I know that you definitely live what you're talking about and you have something to tell everyone about encouraging long-term relationships so first of all congratulations in today's world commitment sometimes seems to be a nasty word doesn't it well you know uh there are many times in life where you think you've hit a dead end and you really haven't and uh when you have a commitment and uh determination and and uh curiosity um, that will help you to find a way to um, move forward. There always is a way to move forward, but a lot of times people just don't see it. Well, see, and this is what I feel is such at the basis of your book, Peace in the Heart and Home, because we get stuck and it's a tendency for people just to jump ship, you know, but your goal is to really help people not just survive, you want them to thrive. So, first of all, I would like to talk about experiences in babyhood and childhood and how they have so much significance in our personal lives, our relationships, the careers we choose. You know, you go into great depth, uh, great depth of, of uh, conversation about this. And to me, this is really critical information because it is not too late to have a happy childhood, but first we have to identify what our childhood was and not mask it, right? Absolutely. Whatever is hidden can't be healed. And um, human beings have uh, developed a huge arsenal of defenses to avoid painful feelings because so many of us, in our formative years, didn't have an adult that we really felt we could go to um, with the most difficult experiences that we were having. And so anytime we have an experience that we haven't been able to share with a caring adult who's attuned to what we're feeling and empathic, then those feelings um, stay inside our brain and body. It may be out of our conscious awareness, but it is lying in wait, and it is only a matter of time before it'll start to resurface uh, in all kinds of insidious ways. And we don't see it because it's so familiar, those feelings, that we don't even know that we're basically reliving our past. Talk to us about EMDR and how it just differs from traditional talk therapy because now you've been a psychotherapist for 35 years is it and of course you've been a parent for over 25 years Mm -hmm. so working with emotions and working with actual circumstances is 
is something that you live every day. And I think this is one of the beauties of your book, Peace in the Heart and Home, is that you are presenting stories of real people in real circumstances that were stuck. And yet, once you worked with them, you were able to see a, a very, very dramatic change and, and a healing that was for the positive. Yeah, it is so... Uh so inspiring, and um, there is such a dignity uh, for the people that face these uh, challenging memories. Um, I always say to my clients, you know, there are people walking down the street in this town right now who also have had all kinds of painful experiences and, um, and are having all kinds of symptoms and problems. Um, you have chosen to come here in this room to face these difficulties. And when people um, focus on a traumatic memory with EMDR, uh, what's different about it is that they're not talking. They're not focusing primarily on the left hemisphere of their brain, which is language, and that's the adult's perspective. They're, um, with EMDR, you're accessing both hemispheres of the brain, which means that the people are paying very close attention to what's going on inside of them as they focus on the memory. And they're aware of body sensations and images as well as thoughts and emotions. And so they're processing at, at uh, a lightning speed. Uh, things are happening very quickly, even faster sometimes than language could uh, transmit. So it's really, it's, it really does matter that people come in and work with a specialist because, you know, in your book you have a lot of uh, great tips and I, I like the chapter a lot that is self-care and self-soothing and you say you have this, this uh, poster of yours, it's the 101 stress relievers, which is great. But what you're doing is you are really getting to the essence of the issue. Yeah, I am very, very much a believer in getting the roots, pulling the roots out of a problem. Most people go through their life clipping off these poison ivy leaves, uh, trimming back branches when it comes to their, their difficulties. But unless you really get at the roots, the plant's just going to keep growing back. And so what happens is over the course of decades, people can have a full range of physical, psychological, behavioral, and relationship symptoms and difficulties. And they go to, you know, you might go to a, a one person to deal with your irritable bowel syndrome, and then you're, you know, uh, maybe you're dealing with um, a compulsive, uh, you know, Internet uh, behavior, or now you're dealing with these panic attacks that happen when you drive. And the, the thing is that m most of the symptoms that we struggle with there's a real sense to what's going on. Most of the time we feel like everything that's going on, it's a mystery. What the heck is going on in our family, in our relationships, in our body? Uh, why am I doing these things that I don't want to do? And there is a real sense to it, but it's an emotional sense, and it has to do with relationships, and it has to do with our formative years and the gut-level belief that we developed long ago about ourselves and relationships, and that they get wired into the brain for posterity unless we consciously reprocess them. 
Well, I really love the analogy that you have to gardening because I'm a major gardening gardener. And when I read your read about you know the poison ivy, I think about that all all the time because here on the west coast we have poison oak, and it's so true. You can trim it all you want, you can cut it back to the ground, but unless you pull that root out, it it actually doubles and spreads and gets Mm -hmm. worse. Which I thought was just the perfect analogy for what happens when we don't heal ourselves from the inside out. And I know that you are a a colleague or a good friend of Dr. Bernie Siegel, as am I, and he's always been an inspiration to me. And one of the things that I always liked that he talked about, and you have this in your book, is about uh, carrying a picture of yourself as a child and looking at that picture and getting to know yourself, you know, recognizing who is that person. Tell us about this whole inner child and how we get in touch with that. Yeah, well, you know what? Nowadays, uh, people are so frantic. They're like chickens with their heads cut off, uh, running around from activity to activity. And um, people often don't realize that one of the the best things that you can do to create a better quality life is to stop and reflect um, and just be. And one of the things is that um, I know for myself, when I became uh, an adult, I, uh, I entered my early 20s, and there was an unconscious sense of relief, like, oh, good, I don't have to ever look back there again. <laughs> and I thought I was spared and that I was left unscathed, um, but actually I was just carrying it with me. But in any event, we, we all have had experiences in childhood um, that left us feeling either deprived or wounded. Um, it's, it's just the human condition. Uh, we, we have to realize this is not some special class of people. Uh, this is not, uh, you know, sick people who uh, have um, schizophrenia or bipolar disorder. The, the average person has had experiences in childhood that left them feeling very um, afraid or ashamed or helpless. And so, you can actively, proactively um, find a time of your life when you know that you are struggling and really develop uh, in the present moment a relationship and using your imagination because the imagination is very powerful. Imagination can be uh, an enemy if you're tormenting yourself about the past or, the, or anticipating a catastrophe in the future. But imagination, when it comes to really feeling yourself holding that that five-year-old or that nine-year-old either on your lap or at your side and looking deeply into his or her eyes and saying, I understand what you have been through and I care about you so much and um, I want you to know you're not alone and you have me. I'm an adult and I care about you. And um, whatever you need to feel safe and secure and loved, you just let me know, and I'm going to give it to you because you are important. That's just powerful in itself, Charlotte, when you're saying something like that. And if we could all do that and and give that gift to ourselves. We are speaking with Charlotte Mikulka. She is the author of Peace in the Heart and Home, a down-to-earth guide to creating a better life for you and your loved ones. And She's a psychotherapist who worked with thousands of clients over her uh, 25, 35 years of, of, uh, of therapy. And what, Charlotte, what do you think has been 
one of the most remarkable discoveries you have made from this life experience, from your work. Tell us, you know, give us a, a hint of some of the things that you just can't believe that have happened and are happening and have yeah. made your life better. Well, I've been doing increasingly more couples therapy over the last five years, and um, plus I've done a great deal of um, reflecting on my own marriage. And um, and just I, I'm always very um, aware of other human beings and what they're experiencing, processing this all the time. And, well, one of the things that I've discovered is that our emotional brain, our right hemisphere, that intuition is capable of identifying a person out of a crowd who is going to be, in a sense, either a mirror image of us or in some very, very deep way has experienced what we have experienced emotionally and in relationship. And on the surface, our defenses may be very different, so we may look like very uh, uh, different people. But when you start... Um, working with people where they, they talk about what their concerns are, their fears, their, what makes them feel uncomfortable, what, what is it that has been the story of their life. Sometimes I'll, I'll say to my clients uh, in couple sessions, oh, my God, you're twins. <laughs> there you go again. It's, a, it's another example. I've heard the same thing coming out of your partner's mouth. You know, at some deep level, you are in the best position to empathy with your partner because you have been there too. And so in other words, opposites, they, they may attract, but the reality is, is that they really do have something that is in common where they can be empathetic and sympathetic and connect with their partner on a deep level. Yes, and that can be the glue. Uh, that could be one of the, the essences of the glue that can, can make a couple feel connected you know even if you don't have exactly the same interests uh or you may have certain different um strong opinions on certain matters but what really matters in a relationship is do you have the kind of of communication that is uh affectionate and warm and are you are you interested in each other um do you make it safe for the other person to express themselves um, and so, you know, I, I am just so amazed at how our unconscious really wants us to find somebody who will understand us. And not only that, that it also is a person whose way of defending themselves puts salt in our wounds. Uh, but it, I think it's a spiritual journey that every couple is on because to be able to find what I say is the lamb and the lion or the warm candle in the iceberg. Uh, that That's such attempts. a beautiful thing. That's so beautiful the way you say it. I love they it. They feel threatened. They become cold like icebergs. They become indifferent or detached. And some other people, when they feel threatened in their relationship, become um, critical and demanding and accusational and, and raise their voices. And they're, they're like a lion with the claws out. But what I have seen over and over again is that within every human being whose behavior is disturbing or appalling or hurtful is a person capable of great empathy. And when couples are able to move from that defensive way of being to being uh, vulnerable and genuine 
and sharing their vulnerabilities and sensitivities, which we all have, the connection that they have is so beautiful. It's wonderful to see. So I would say that if couples are having any strain in their marriage, it, first of all, you should pick up a, the copy of the book, Peace in the Heart and Home. And by the way, there's an audio version that you've done, Charlotte, that makes it easy for people. They right. can pop it in their car and have a learning university on wheels. Yeah, just as long as they understand it's their MP3 CD. So uh, you, know, you have to make sure that it plays MP3s. But I recited it, and I even had some of my uh, adult son's classical music added to it since it's so emotional. And um, uh, I think that any any family or couple can glean so much from reading this book that will give them direction and inspiration. Because uh, my optimism, I know you're big on optimism, Cynthia, my optimism is, is grounded in having been through the dark side, and, and that's what my clients do, too. They've gone through the pain, and you come out the other side stronger than ever for, for developing that, that empathy with yourself, that self-compassion. And um, so there's a lot of hope for couples and families. And that we have the kinds of approaches now that really work. Well, and also, everyone has a dark side, and we all have sunshine, and we all have shadows, and there's good, there's bad, and you bring that out in your book. So I would love people to pick up a copy. I had said to Charlotte, there's so much in this book, it would take three hours to interview her and really do justice to it. It's a beautiful book. It's won all kinds of awards. Charlotte, really, it's really a wonderful book. And this really should be a book that is on every family's bookshelf because it will help you in your relationships with your children, with your parents, and with one another, as well as with friends. And actually, more important than anything, helps you with the relationship with yourself, which is critical. So it is Charlotte McKulka, M-I-K-U-L-K-A. The book is Peace in the Heart and Home. And let's give out your website, Charlotte. It's peaceintheheartandhome.com. Just the name of the book, right? Yes, www.peaceintheheartandhome.com. And the book is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook format. You can't get any better than that. So don't use a Band-Aid anymore. Just pick up a copy of the book and you will breathe a sigh of release because uh, Charlotte can be your guide. And she's been through there. Uh, she's been through it herself. She has had a 40-year marriage and she's been working in psychotherapy for 35 years. So I think she knows what she's talking about. So thank you so much for contacting us here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. This really is a, a magical book and it's a, it's a healing book, Charlotte. So this, you've really done justice for well, all so couples. Thank you. It's been a, it's been my labor of love and I wish everyone that they gr- gain a great deal of support from it. Well, they will. They'll be inspired and empowered and motivated to be the best they can be. Peace in the heart and home. Thank you, Charlotte, for being on the show. When we come back from break, we're going to talk about the topic that Charlotte just talked about. We're going to talk about optimism. It is the optimism bias coming right up on Star Style. Be the star you are. Find out why you are wired for hope. I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'll be back in a bit. Don't you dare go away.
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do you know the power of thank yous? When employees put in long hours to complete important projects, it's important to recognize them with a heartfelt thank you. One idea is for the company president to send handwritten thank you notes to the family of the employee, explaining how much the work was appreciated and also thanking the family for putting up with the inconvenience. Another idea is to hold a special breakfast, lunch or gathering in the honor of the hard work of the team. By recognizing input and hard work, a company retains employees and has a more dedicated workforce with a sense of personal involvement and personal achievement. Appreciate those who make your company successful, your employees and your suppliers. Thank yous go a long way to establishing loyalty and goodwill. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more coaching and business tips, contact Star Style Productions at starstyle.us or call 925-377-7827 to set up your coaching session. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature Star Style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, do you have on those rose-colored glasses? We may be born with them, and maybe our brains are tilted towards the positive Optimism lives, and research is just now discovering that our brains are actually hardwired to be positive in order to survive. I am Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are if you are just tuning in. And we want to talk about those silver linings and the optimum bias. You know, we like to think of ourselves as rational creatures. And I was reading a fabulous article in Time magazine by Tally Chirot, and I thought, you know, we've got to share some of these principles with you because optimum, optimism is what keeps us alive. And if we were pessimistic, we probably would not live long. Maybe we would still be in caves. Think about it. We watch our backs. We weigh the odds. We pack an umbrella. And both the neuroscience and social sciences suggest that we are more optimistic 
than realistic. And on average, we do expect things to turn out better than they wind up being. People absolutely underestimate their chances of getting divorced. And they underestimate losing their job or being diagnosed with a deadly disease. They expect their children to be extraordinarily gifted. They envision themselves as achieving more than their peers. And they overestimate their likely lifetime lifespan, sometimes uh, 20 years or more. In fact, in the statistics that I was reading, when they asked people uh, how long they thought that they would be living, a full 10% of the respondents said they planned to live to be over 100 years old, when realistically less than 0.02% live that long. So 10% have great expectations. I thought that was a great, you know, a really great statistic. And what is that telling us, you know, about ourselves? The fact is, is that we're really born to be optimistic. The belief that the future will be much better than the past and the present is known as the optimism bias. They actually call it that. And it abides in absolutely every race, every region, and every socioeconomic bracket. It doesn't matter whether it's school children playing, you know, in the playground that grow up to be optimists, but or if you're growing up, uh, you know, in not a happy place, you're still more optimistic. Adults over 60 are just as likely to see the glass half full as young adults. So you might think that optimism would erode with all this bad news that we've been having, you know, about high rates of unemployment or the government that is absconding with all the funds or all the violent conflicts out there or the tornadoes like we were talking about with Be the Star You Are is helping Joplin or the floods or the earthquakes or the volcanoes and, you know, the terrorist attacks, etc. But collectively, we can grow pessimistic, you know, about the direction of our country or the ability of our leaders to improve education or improve health care or reduce crime. But uh, as a private uh, person, we are optimistic about our personal future, and we remain incredibly residual and resilient. We seem to believe that um, our lives are going to get better, even though a full 70% of families who were interviewed in 2007 found that their parents were more successful than they were. But 76% of the respondents were optimistic that their own family was going to overcome any obstacles that their previous family had. I found that really fascinating. Now, overly positive assumptions obviously can lead to disastrous miscalculations and they make us less likely to maybe go to the doctor or get a health checkup or put on our sunscreen or, or keep money in our savings account. And we might make some bad investments. But the optimism bias also protects us, inspires us to keep us moving forward rather than to have us thinking about jumping off a cliff. So without optimism, our ancestors might never have left their caves. In fact, if they didn't have the optimism that there was something better outside the caves, we might still be huddled, you know, still thinking of 
fire and light. So to make progress, we need to be able to imagine alternative realities, and that means better realities, and we need to believe that we can actually achieve them. You know the quote, conceive, believe, achieve, so that it's that faith that helps motivate us to pursue our goals. So optimism in general work um, works like this. You know, optimists, like I, I definitely am an optimist. I don't think anyone ever would ever call me a pessimist, even in my worst days. And optimists generally work a lot longer hours. And interestingly, according to statistics, they tend to earn more. Now, economists at Duke University found that optimists save more money, too. And although they're less likely to divorce, um, they are likely, if they do divorce, to remarry, which is something that kind of takes a leap of faith. Now, if there is um, a better future uh, or there's an illusion of a better future, optimism has clear benefits in the present tense. So hope keeps our minds at ease. It helps lower our stress. It improves our physical health. And researchers studying heart disease patients found that Optimists were more likely than non-optimistic patients to take vitamins, to eat low-fat diets, to exercise, to take care of themselves, and therefore they had reduced their coronary risks. And then there was a study of cancer patients that revealed that pessimistic patients under the age of 60 were more likely to die within eight months of being diagnosed than non-pessimistic patients that were in the same health bracket, same status, and same age. And so I think that is showing that there's a growing body of scientific evidence that points to the conclusion that optimists may be hardwired by evolution into the human brain. It's like the science of optimism. So once scorned as an intellectually suspect province of, you know, pep rallies and cheerleaders, now it's opening a new window on the workings of human consciousness. So what it shows could really fuel a revolution in psychology because the field is coming to grips with accumulating evidence that our brains are not just stamped by the past. They're constantly being shaped by the future. And the human, the human beings like looking to the future. In fact, it's our ability to think like a time machine, to think positively about our prospects. We first have to be able to imagine ourselves in the future. You you heard Charlotte talking about the imagination being so critical and so varied and so important. Well, when we are optimists and we start with what must be must be the most extraordinary of human talents, which is mental time travel, then we can have the ability to move back and forth through time and space in our mind. So we can go back to our childhood, we can go forward, and we can think about things, which is interesting, like something I always say is what you think about and talk about comes about. Well, it, the science is now proving that. It's easy to see why the cognitive time travel was naturally selected over the course of evolution, because it allows us to plan ahead, we save food, we save resources for times of scarcity, we are willing to work hard in anticipation of a future reward. I mean, how many of us wouldn't work hard if we know that we can help our children go to college or we can make a better life for our families? We would all put in longer hours. And if we weren't able to picture the world in a 100 years or more, you know what would happen? We wouldn't care about global warming. 
we wouldn't care about the environment or what state we left our bank accounts or our families or even if we were good people. So would we even have children? You know, would we care about being healthy? So while mental time travel has clear survival advantages, our conscious foresight came to humans at an enormous price because here it is. It's the understanding that we are all going to die. It is only human beings that know they are going to die. Animals are born. They go through their life. They don't know that they're going to die. They just do what they do. But if we didn't have optimism, uh, the despair alone in knowing that we were going to die would interfere with our daily functions, and it would bring our activities for survival literally to a stop. So the only way our conscious mental time travel could have arisen over the course of evolution is if it emerged together with tremendous optimism. So the knowledge of death had to emerge equal and side-by-side with the persistent ability to picture a bright future. And that is something that we can all have. So it's the capacity to envision the future and to realize um, realize that we can make a difference, we can be great, we can achieve anything we want. And this happens in a part of the brain structure that's crucial to memory, and that is the hypocamus. So patients with damage to that area of their brain and they can't recollect the past, they tend to be kind of stuck in time. So the the brain doesn't travel in time in a random fashion. It tends to engage in a very specific type of thought. We consider how well our kids are going to do in life, how we're going to obtain that job, or we're going to form the house, or we're going to find that perfect relationship. So we think about our team winning. We look forward to you know fun times and all that. But we also worry about losing a loved one or failing at a job or dying in a, in a plane crash, for example. But the research shows that we spend less time thinking about the negative outcome, and instead we focus on the positive. And that is what is the critical part of it. So the silver lining, how do we find the silver lining in a storm cloud? The answer to this is you find people, well, there's been a lot of studies, but People perceive adverse events more positively if they've experienced them in the past. And recording brain activity while, you know, bad things were happening would reveal that there was a high lighting, there was something that was lighting the positive when negative things came back. So, for example, you probably heard that story of the man who finds a horse and everybody says how great it is and then his son breaks his leg, uh, and the, the man says, well, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but then war comes out, and uh, the boy doesn't have to go to war, so maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. So, you know, every situation has a different thing, but the bottom line is, is if you can look at it at the positive, then we it shows us that we have a choice, and it's the affirmation of our decisions that help us derive our heightened pleasure from choices that might actually be neutral. So my advice is if you're puzzled about optimism, choose optimism. It will keep you healthy, happy, and probably live longer. So I thank you for being great listeners and allowing Heather and I into your life each week with all our guest authors. Make sure you stay tuned here every week with me, Cynthia Bryan. I love to be your personal growth coach. And if you want more coaching, 
Call me at 925-377-STAR or visit the website, starstyle.us, and I will be happy to give you a consultation. So until we celebrate next week, go out into the world and shine. Make a donation to the charity, btsya.com, and be the star you are. Thank you for joining me. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. Be the star you are. Thank you for being part of our star galaxy on today's episode of Star Style. Be the star you are. We hope you've enjoyed the commentary and are motivated to dream big, overcome obstacles, and realize your potential. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. Join our power party next week right here on World Talk Radio as Cynthia Bryan, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers of the planet pump up the energy with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until then, be the star you are. You are.